Welcome to the Medical Sales Certification Podcast. This is Colby Wood. And on this podcast, we take a deep dive into medical sales and in particular, orthopedic medical sales, where I do my best to share with you everything that I have learned up to this point and document really the day-to-day sales calls and meetings and interactions I'm having so that you can learn from my experiences and hopefully help you become more successful in your career as well. So without any further ado, please enjoy today's podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Colby Wood with the Medical Sales Certification Podcast, and welcome to this episode. And what I'm going to do in this episode is go into uh, rotator cuff repair and talk specifically about single row versus double row rotator cuff repair. And I think as a as a clarification up front, just so we're clear, uh, I am not a doctor, obviously. Uh, don't pretend to be. I have not taken care of patients. Um, I am simply a sales rep. And so uh, everything in this episode is simply going to come from the perspective of a sales rep. So this is kind of the formal disclaimer. Don't, uh, don't take this beyond its useful uh, parameters, let's say. So I feel like I need to get that, get that out there first because maybe I'll be, I might end up making statements that come across as fact or um, what is the right thing to do. And ultimately, you know, the, the physician, the provider is the person that's going to be able to make that decision. So just so we're clear up front. But when we're talking about rotator cuff repair, we're going to use the supraspinatus tendon as our primary, as our tendon when we're having this discussion, just because it's the most commonly torn rotator cuff tendon and it'll be easy to understand single row versus double row when we're talking about that and narrowing it down. So let's just... When we're talking rotator cuff for this episode, we're just talking the supraspinatus tendon. And so I think first and foremost, a quick background on single row versus double row rotator cuff repair. Single row rotator cuff repair refers to there being one row in the medial lateral direction, one row of suture anchors. And if you just have one row of suture anchors, and that row could just be a single suture anchor, or you could have multiple suture anchors. But if you only have one row, you're essentially taking your sutures from that anchor and tying the rotator cuff down to that one anchor. Or if you're doing a knotless repair, you're putting the sutures through the rotator cuff tendon, and then you're putting it into a single anchor. That would be single row repair. Now, that single row does not necessarily have to be on the articular margin of the rotator cuff, right, or of the humeral head. You know, the the single row could be lateral a little bit. You know, there is one of the kind of newer techniques that you can do is using suture, uh, suture that's like a tape, so a tape type suture, and then putting that into a knotless anchor, and that is a single row. But there's a lot of physicians, at least that I've seen, who are putting that anchor lateral to the articular margin. So it's, it's, it's a single row, but the row is sitting lateral to where you might intuitively think that a single row repair would be. So, so that's a single row repair. You don't have a lateral row of sutures that you're putting, um, of suture anchors that you're, uh, you're putting the sutures from your medial row into. And so with a double row repair, it's obviously the opposite. It means that you have two rows of suture anchors. You have a medial row and then you have a lateral row. And the quantity of the suture anchors doesn't matter necessarily. 
It's just a matter of do you use, fundamentally the question is, do you use a lateral row? So if somebody says, I'm, I'm going to do a double row repair, you don't automatically know how many suture anchors they're going to be using. But what you do know is that you're going to have a medial row of suture anchors, you know, one or multiple. And those are, are likely going to be placed and probably ideally placed outside of unique circumstances right at the articular margin of the humeral head. And then you have a lateral row that's going to sit out lateral, probably off the lateral border of the greater tuberosity, because you're trying to get more coverage of the rotator cuff on top of the footprint of the rotator cuff. So that's the kind of the idea and the, the understanding of a double row. And a lot of times, you, you know, if, if you're in the industry or you have any idea, that's what we are talking about when you're talking, you know, um, a you know, like a speed bridge repair from Arthrex or a cuff link from ConMed or the, um, you know, I, I don't, re I don't recall what Smith and Nephew and Stryker named their double row repair, but a lot of the, a lot of the companies have taglines or marketing names to de to describe kind of their double row technique, but it's essentially just meteor row suture anchors with a lateral knotless suture anchor that you're going to be putting the sutures from the medial row into that lateral row knotless anchor to to fixate it laterally and so that is what a that's i guess a double row rotator cuff repair generally speaking so the question is when should you do single row and when should you do double row or is one better than the other or how do you sell it or what are the features and benefits of each and so let's let's kind of go into that and i want to start with an example that one of the one of the it was actually the second territory manager that I worked for as an associate rep a number of years back. He told me that he was in a situation with a doctor where he showed up for the surgery, and he and one of his competitor reps were both there for the surgery, essentially trying to get the doctor to use their their anchors for the rotator cuff repair. And so they're meeting with the doctor. Uh, both of them are essentially standing there before the surgery and the doctor asks both of the reps he says you know should i be using should i do a single row or should i do a double row repair and uh this territory manager of mine tells a story he said that the other rep was like you should definitely do a double row rotator cuff repair and he's like oh okay and then uh my former boss my former territory manager said that his response was doc i can't tell you if you should do single row or double row rotator cuff repair because I haven't seen the tear pattern in the rotator cuff. Like I can't just, I can't just recommend doing single row or double row without seeing what the patient actually needs. And he said, the doctor immediately was like, okay, I'm going to use you for this case. And he won that case and won that doctor's business because he took the, what I would say is the proper approach of you use the technique that's appropriate for the tear. So does that mean that every single road, you know, the assumption that a lot of companies or reps make is that, you know, especially if they have their marketing slick on why, you know, whatever their newest technique is, you know, you should definitely be doing double row rotator cuff repair or now the single row is better. Like, well, maybe sometimes, you know, I think, I think you can make a strong argument that double row rotator cuff repair is appropriate in circumstances in certain circumstances. But I think you can also make an argument that a single row rot rotator cuff repair has its place as well. And so um, that's kind of 
I share that with you first and foremost, because as we get into the details of, you know, what are the benefits of one versus the other, I think it's, it's important to understand and what my recommendation would be is to never just recommend one way of doing it. Now you might be working for a company that only offers single row option, or you might be working for a company that only offers a double row rotator cuff repair. You know, you're in a more of a difficult situation in that instance because you can only sell one fixation technique. And, you know, I would recommend that you just, you try to make it such that when the doctor needs to do a double row, they call you. Or when the doctor needs to do just a single row, they call you, you know. Um, but that's, that's, I guess, neither here nor there and maybe for another podcast episode. But let's talk specifically now single row. Single row the idea behind single row is it's technically an older procedure, right? Early stages of anchor, suture anchor development, they didn't have knotless anchors. So they didn't have a, a lateral row anchor. And a lateral row anchor didn't come about till probably, I don't know, 10 years ago. So they've been doing rotate, single row rotator cuff repair for a long time, you know, open and arthroscopic. And you know, you would just have a suture anchor with some sutures attached to it. You bang it into the, you know, greater tuberosity and you tie down the tendon and you call it a day. And one of the older style techniques that's that a lot of very good, intelligent physicians still use is the crimson duvet technique. And that's a single row rotator cuff repair, typically a 5.5 triple loaded suture anchor. And then you take a small diameter punch and you're punching holes in the lateral side of the greater tuberosity, essentially like a microfracture procedure where you are allowing the blood and the bone marrow from the humeral canal and from the uh, metaphysis of the humeral head to come through and essentially saturate that area of the rotator cuff. And they've done second look arthroscopies and there is good healing. You know, people anecdotally, surgeons have good experience doing single row rotator cuff repair. And, you know, whether they're doing the microfracture technique or not, there are a lot of physicians that I work with that do single row rotator cuff repair or that I have worked with that do single row rotator cuff repair and have good results. And so the idea behind that is there, there's, I think the best way to think about this for starters is think about it like this. When the rotator cuff tears from the greater tuberosity, when, when the rotator cuff actually tears away, you never get a clean tear of the rotator cuff off of the greater tuberosity. Meaning that if you were to go in and you look at the rotator cuff in surgery, right? For in this patient, whoever they, this patient tore their rotator cuff. If you were to go look at their rotator cuff before you do a repair, you're going to see tissue still attached to the greater tuberosity. And the question is, what is that tissue? That is rotator cuff tissue. You know, when, when the rotator cuff tears, it's not as though it's a clean tear and you have the entire intact rotator cuff tendon and then you have open exposed bone on the greater tuberosity and you just reattach it. No, what happens is when it tears, some of the tissue is lost when the rotator cuff tears. You know, some of the tissue is still going to be attached to the greater tuberosity and what you end up doing is shaving that down, using a wand, getting rid of it, ablating that tissue and then potentially doing, you know, a, a bony resection to get down to bleeding bone on the greater tuberosity, and then you're going to reattach the tendon. So the question is, you know, one of the one of the primary causes of failure in rotator cuff repairs 
is going to be over-tensioning the rotator cuff. Now, that's obviously not the only thing you're concerned about, but and it's not the only reason for re-tears, but uh, uh, an over-tensioned rotator cuff is going to increase the likelihood of failure significantly. And so if you have lost some of the rotator cuff tendon because it tore and it's still attached to the bone and then you shave that away or you use your wand and you ablate that tissue and then you prep it. And then if you try to take that same tendon and reattach it, covering the entire footprint of the rotator cuff, you're effectively going to add tension on that tendon and muscle, right? Because if you know, if you think about the footprint of the rotator cuff, and we're talking the supraspinatus, you know, the width of the greater tuberosity is about two centimeters wide. And so that the native tendon is going to be attached from the articular margin all the way out laterally to about, you know, two centimeters roughly, and then it drops off, right? And then it goes down the, the humeral shaft or the lateral side of the humerus. If you have a torn rotator cuff tendon and you're missing some of the lateral parts of the tissue because it was torn and some of it's still, you have remnant tissue still attached to the greater tuberosity. The question is, if I try to take now that same tendon and pull it out and get all full coverage on the greater tuberosity on the footprint, in effect, you have to be putting increased tension on the rotator cuff. Now you do get some post-operative and post-procedure stretching and elongation of the muscle belly, right? So you can stretch it out and it's, it's elastic. And so it doesn't mean that automatically, if you add any degree, any amount of tension, your rotator cuff procedure is going to fail. That's, that's obviously not the case, but there are pros and cons to it. But understand that anytime you're trying to recover the entire footprint of the rotator cuff, after it's, after the rotator cuff has torn, you're in effect going to be adding tension to that repair. Now, it, it does depend on your technique pattern with a double row, double row rotator cuff repair. That's why what, when I was saying it is if you are trying to recreate full coverage of the native footprint, you're going to add tension. However, if you lost, let's say, you know, the width of the footprint is roughly two centimeters wide. Let's say you lost five millimeters just for easy numbers and to hopefully in your mind's eye make sense of it. Let's say you lost five mil millimeters of your lateral, of the lateral edge of your rotator cuff. If you tried to take that same lateral edge and put it down all the way covering that two centimeter wide footprint, you've essentially added five millimeters of tension to the cuff. And I hope that that kind of communicates and you can see that in your mind's eye. Now, to do a double row repair, you don't necessarily have to have full coverage of the footprint, right? The, the idea behind it is that you would get better coverage of the footprint. You would get increased compression of the rotator cuff on the footprint, on the greater tuberosity, but you don't necessarily have to have that lateral margin or the lateral edge of the tendon all the way covering the entire footprint. You could still have the lateral five millimeters of the greater tuberosity exposed, and then you've done a double row rotator cuff repair without adding tension. So it, it's not... It's not an automatic that just because you do a double row rotator cuff repair, you're going to add more tension on the cuff, but there is that possibility. Now, so I guess kind of back, I got a little off track there, but the, the idea behind single row rotator cuff repair is 
that I don't have, I'm not trying to put sutures through the rotator cuff medial to the lateral margin of the tendon just so that I can put a lateral in, lateral row in and compress that lateral edge of the tendon. When you're doing a single row rotator cuff repair, you're typically doing simple sutures, simple stitches, and you're just passing one limb through the tendon and then you tie it to the other end of the limb coming through the anchor. And it, it essentially pulls the rotator cuff directly on top of the suture anchor itself. So when you're doing a single row, most of the time you're doing simple stitches. So it's one limb, you've got, you've got a sliding suture. You put one limb through the rotator cuff, you take the other limb coming through the anchor, you tie it together, and what happens there, it pulls the edge of the tendon or where you put the, where you put the suture through, but uh, it pulls that part of the tendon directly on top of the suture anchor. In a double row repair, you're essentially going to take both limbs of your suture, put them through the rotator cuff, and you're going to put those through the rotator cuff farther medial on the tendon than you would in a single row rotator cuff repair, because those two, those two limbs of the suture are then going to, uh, as you grab those on the top side of the rotator cuff, you're, you're then going to grab those and put those into the lateral row, not less anchor. But what's going to happen is when you do that, uh, you, the location of the tendon being compressed onto the footprint or onto the anchor is where those sutures come through the rotator cuff. So if I'm doing a double row and I'm putting my sutures through the cuff, the farther I put my medial row sutures, the farther medial that I put my medial row suture anchors through the rotator cuff, if I then pull them all the way lateral, that's going to add more tension. If I take my medial row suture anchors and the sutures on those, and I put them not quite as far medial, then when I pull those through, it's not going to put as much tension on the rotator cuff because the location where the sutures come through the tendon are where the, the rotator cuff tendon is going to sit on top of the anchor. Because as you shorten those suture limbs, it essentially is going to pull the tendon right down on top of that rotator cuff, right down on top of that suture anchor where the limbs are going through the tendon. So I hope that you can kind of visually in your mind's eye make sense of that. Obviously it'd be a little bit easier to draw it out for you, but it, you know, hopefully you guys get it. Um, so anyway, obviously one of the big factors in single row and double row has to do with tension. So single row guys, quote unquote, guys that advocate for single row or do more single row rotator cuff repairs are guys that are generally going to be more concerned about adding too much tension to the rotator cuff. So, you know, that could just be their training, you know, and a lot of it is, let's be honest. And the surgeons would probably, probably tell you that if they did a residency or fellow, if they did a fellowship or, you know, obviously residency, residency, not everybody has done a fellowship or is going to do a fellowship, wherever they did their training, a lot of times that's where they take their thoughts and ideologies about should I be doing a single row or a double row rotator cuff repair in this instance. And so if you are a SCOE fellow, fellow, for example, you know, Dr. Snyder out there, you're going to be doing single row rotator cuff repair. You're going to learn on a triple loaded five, five doing a single row rotator cuff repair. But if you go to, you know, the Andrews Institute, or you go learn from Dr. Burkhart, or you learn from some of the other guys, you're going to learn double row rotator cuff repair. Now, not always, you know, there, there's going to be crossover and there are going to be indications where you do a double row, but you're more so going to be, um, going to be leaning toward a double row repair over a single row. And I would, I would tell you that anecdotally, well, before I get there, 
when we are talking about single row versus double row, the primary benefit of doing a double row rotator cuff repair are two things. Reduced gap, for, well, technically three things. Reduced gap formation. Okay, so what that means is when I do a double row rotator cuff repair, the, the lateral row anchors are grabbing and holding the sutures from the medial row. And what that means is that those sutures are sitting on top of the rotator cuff tendon and, it, and are being compressed onto the footprint, right on top of the greater tuberosity. And when we're talking gap formation, what that means is in biomechanical testing, if you were to do a rotator cuff, double row rotator cuff repair versus single row rotator cuff repair on a cadaver humerus and cadaver tendon, and then assess gap formation, you start moving the, rot the arm through range of motion there's gonna be reduced gapping between the tendon and the bone, which at least intuitively and theoretically makes more sense and would allow for better healing. Because as, as the rotator cuff is healing down to the greater tuberosity, it, it would make sense that the, the, the less that there is gap or there is gapping as I'm doing my rehab you know, movements and techniques and, and the, the PT protocol that I have, the reduced gapping would, in theory, have better outcomes because I'm minimizing the amount of time that the rotator cuff is not in, in contact with the footprint. And so, in theory, that's one, that's one reason why uh, double row rotator cuff repair could be better. The other is compression. So, obviously, kind of if, if you can see it in your mind's eye, a double row rotator cuff repair is going to have greater compression of the rotator cuff down onto the footprint of the uh, greater tuberosity. And so better compression generally leads to better healing. You're going to get better healing integration between the tendon and the bone if you have compression at that site. And so that's another reason why it could be better. And then the third could be uh, better footprint coverage, meaning that you're getting more coverage of the rotator cuff tendon on top of the footprint of the native the native footprint of the super, supraspinatus tendon, right? So if I'm doing a single row rotator cuff repair and I'm putting my anchors at the articular margin of the rotator cuff, what's going to happen is that I'm ha I have less, by definition, I have less coverage of the rotator cuff tendon on top of the footprint of the greater tuberosity. If I do a double row rotator cuff repair, I'm getting more tendon compression and I'm getting better coverage of that tendon on top of the footprint. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to cover the entire footprint again, but let's say if I do a single row rotator cuff repair and I put my anchors at the articular margin, I might only, in the medial lateral direction, if, if the width is two centimeters, I might only get five millimeters of coverage um, of, the, of the repaired tendon on top of the footprint. Now, you could argue that in the, in the crimson duvet technique and things like that, when they've gone back and done second look arthroscopies, there is tendon generation, so to speak. You know, the, the bone marrow that comes up from the humeral canal, it helps heal and proliferate healing in that area. And so the body naturally, more or less, for the sake of this conversation, rebuilds that tendon that was torn. And so you get more coverage. So it's not like I only get five millimeters of coverage in the medial lateral direction, and that's all I, all I will get for the rest of eternity in a best case scenario, your body is going to heal that area. It's going to grab onto the tendon that is being repaired there, but it's also going to give you more coverage out laterally. 
But if I'm doing a double row rotator cuff repair, I might be able to get 10 or 15 millimeters of coverage in the medial lateral direction immediately post-operatively or at the time of surgery. So then I'm not requiring or relying on the body healing that area. I know I'm going to get compression of the native tendon down onto the footprint there. And so there are benefits, at least in theory, to double row rotator cuff repair. And if you look at the cyclical loading data, if you look at the biomechanical data, everything that we can test in a lab says that a double row rotator cuff repair is going to perform better or does perform better than a single row rotator cuff repair. Now, the fundamental question is, clinically, it doesn't always stack up that way. And in the majority of the studies, at least the studies that I'm aware of that I've read, and I know that there are studies being done right now looking at double row rotator cuff repair versus single. And anecdotally, at least what I've heard, is that the double row rotator cuff repair studies are going to show better outcomes, less pain postoperatively, you know, faster rehabilitation, etc. But at least as it stands right now, that I'm aware of, anecdotally, and well, I should say clinically speaking, you don't have a significant difference in outcomes measures when you do single row versus double row rotator cuff repair, regardless of the fact that biomechanically, a double row rotator cuff repair should perform better and does perform better in certain situations. And so you can you can argue both sides of that coin, right? Like it's it's not a clean cut situation where I'm I'm only going to do one of two techniques. When you are actually looking at, do I do a single row versus double row, there are things you have to take into consideration, okay? How much retraction of the rotator cuff tendon is there, right? The more that the rotator cuff tendon is retracted, the more tension I have to, by definition, put on it to get it back to the footprint, right? So anytime you're doing a rotator cuff repair, you have to be able to get the tendon of the rotator cuff back down to the rotator cuff footprint. So you have to get it at least to the articular margin, and in a best-case scenario, you get more coverage than just at the articular margin. You know, the in a best-case scenario, you're able to get more coverage of the footprint of the rotator cuff tendon, but that might be at the cost of adding tension to the rotator cuff. So, it's a, it's a, you have to weigh the pros and cons. How much retraction have I seen from the rotator cuff? how much fatty infiltration of that rotator cuff tendon is there, right? Like if, if you were to do your MRI scans and look at it and you see fatty infiltration of the rotator cuff muscle belly, what that means is you're losing elasticity in the muscle. That means the muscle is atrophying and what it's, it's going to require more tension and your outcomes are going to be likely less favorable if you've got significant fatty infiltration of the rotator cuff muscle. And so there are, there are a number of factors that are going to go into, well, should I do a single row or a double row? And a lot of times it's you get in there and you tug on the tendon and you find out how much uh, excursion you have of the rotator cuff tendon. Excursion is how far you can pull the tendon, how much elasticity is in there. So if, if the tendon tore and is retracted, meaning that it's sitting medial to the articular margin by, I don't know, 10 millimeters, if I grab that tendon and pull it back laterally, can I get it, can I cover that 10 millimeter mark and get it back to the footprint? Or can I get it even farther, right? And so the elasticity and the elongation of the, uh, or the excursion, I should say, of the tendon might come into play. You know, if, if I've got significant fatty infiltration and I've got a retracted rotator cuff tendon and I can only get it to the articular margin, there's no benefit necessarily in me doing a double row rotator cuff repair. Right? Like if, if I can only pull the tendon far enough to get you know, a, a couple millimeters of coverage 
on the footprint, meaning that I'm only getting the tendon just lateral to the articular margin, then doing a lateral ro rotator cuff anchor probably isn't going to help you a lot because you, you aren't actually compressing tissue out lateral, right? Like if you have plenty of tendon to cover, you know, at least a decent portion of the, of the rotator cuff footprint, then it could make sense to do a lateral row anchor because then you actually have sutures compressing tissue. But if, if the tendon is too tight and you can't get the excursion, you can barely get it back to the articular margin, then it doesn't make sense to do a lateral rotator cuff repair or a lateral row anchor because the sutures aren't going to comp be compressing any tissue lateral to that medial row anchor. And so in that situation, it probably just makes sense if, if I can just get it back to the footprint, I'll do a single row rotator cuff repair, but then you're probably going to want to do a lot of releases, you know, an anterior or posterior slide to try to free up and get more excursion out of the tendon. Because generally speaking, the less tension you put on the rotator cuff in the repair, the better the outcomes are going to be. And so you do want to minimize tension on the rotator cuff. And so um, from a clinical setting, that is kind of how I think about it. And again, this comes from a rep standpoint. This is not coming from a cl uh, clinician standpoint. I have not treated patients, but um, I, I do believe that there's time for single row and there's time for double row. You know, in, in a far retracted tendon situation, how far are you going to be able to pull it? How much excursion does the tendon have? Or if there's just a small tear and the rotator cuff is sitting just above where it tore from the greater tuberosity and you're not actually having to pull it lateral, you know, and you're just, you more or less, all you need to do is compress the tendon straight down, then a lateral anchor is probably not going to help you either because you might just want, you know, wherever that hole is, wherever the gap is, where it tore, just put an anchor right in that location and then grab the tendon with simple sutures, simple stitches and tie it straight down, right? Because if, if you're not, if you're not that concerned about post-operative or stability of the rotator cuff repair, meaning that um, post-operatively, you know, this tear is not that severe or it's a small tear, you know, that the size of the tear is going to matter on doing a single row or double row rotator cuff repair. You know, if you've got a massive tear, but you have some decent excursion of the tendon, so you can get a little bit of coverage on the footprint, you probably do want to do a double row rotator cuff repair because you need strong stability to try to maximize healing in that situation. You want to make sure that you are giving the patient the best chance to heal by adding footprint coverage, adding compression, minimizing gap formation, etc. Because, you know, what happens in gap formation is that the synovial fluid that sits in the joint is antithetical to healing. So synovial fluid does not help rotator cuff, does not help tendon healing to bone. It's, it's a detriment to it. And so you would want something that compresses in a, in a best case scenario, compresses on the medial medial margin at the articular margin and doesn't allow synovial fluid to infiltrate the interface between the tendon and bone because you want that area to heal. You know, the, the other thing that, that I feel like I should touch on as well is the different types of rotator cuff tears, you know, and, and what the, the primary tear you're concerned about is a type two failure and a type two failure of a rotator cuff tendon is that the tendon tears at the musculotendinous junction, meaning that the tendon is torn away from the muscle belly itself. What you, you can live with the tendon tearing from the bone and you have a tear in the tendon and you lose a little bit of tendon. Or you can live with a rotator cuff 
repair that fails because the sutures pull through the tendon. You know, there's probably too much tension, but you still have tendon attached to the muscle belly. What you can't, like your worst case scenario is where you have a type two failure, meaning that I put the sutures through the rotator cuff tendon too far medial that they were right near the musculotendinous junction. And if I have a super strong repair, like a massively strong rotator cuff repair, and I'm adding tension on the rotator cuff, but my sutures are, are going through the rotator cuff tendon right near the musculotendinous junction. If that patient has too much tension and tears again, postoperatively tears, and that tear happens at the musculotendinous junction, there's no, there are no good options for you at this point from a rotator cuff repair standpoint. You're probably going to an SCR or a reverse total shoulder because there's nothing you have, you can't put sutures through a muscle belly, right? Like you can't put sutures through muscle, it'll just pull through. Your sutures have to go through the tendon. And so you have to keep your sutures lateral to the musculotendinous junction. And there is concern. If I, if I have a super strong repair, but I'm adding a ton of tension, I've got to make sure that I don't create a type two failure. If that, if that communicates. So those are some of the other considerations that you need to be thinking about uh, if you're a rep and, you're, and you have products to sell or a doctor's asking you your opinion because they're trying to figure out, is, is this a person I can trust? Do they understand rotator cuff repair? Do they understand the anatomy? Do they understand the concerns that I have about doing you know, a single row? Or do they have the concerns about double row, et cetera? Um, those are probably the, the key things that you need to keep in mind. Um, when thinking about single row versus double row rotator cuff repair. So um, I think that's probably it for this episode. I hope um, I went obviously a little bit more in depth and kind of nerded out on this one. If you are a rep in the industry, you'll hopefully be able to follow all of that. If you are not, uh, just stay with it, figure it out, learn whatever terms I was using that you don't fully understand or, or you can't visualize in your mind's eye what I'm talking about when I say single row versus double row. Um, that is the objective of the online program that I've got, uh, the free online program. So you'd be able to see there is a course in there right now that, that looks at single row versus double row. It's a little bit more basic than what I was talking about here. It, it more or less just goes over kind of in two dimensions. All right, here's how you can visually think of a single row versus a, dub, a double row rotator cuff repair. If you haven't signed up for that or, or you feel like you weren't following this episode, um, just sign up for that. Like, totally free just sign up for it and and watch that one look for it's in the complete shoulder program look for the single row versus double row rotator cuff repair video and you'd be able to see me drawing it out on a whiteboard uh what the differences are in single row and double row so um anyway i hope these types of podcasts are helpful i think they will be i did get a message from a buddy of mine who works in uh, missouri and he he mentioned this type of a podcast in particular not just you know talking about anatomy but also talking about procedures or different technique types or product types. So, um, I think hopefully this is helpful for people that are in the industry and, um, have some level of understanding, but want to take it to the next level or, you know, get some other ideas. So, um, if these types of podcasts are helpful and, or you have, uh, specific topics that you would like me to cover, uh, shoot me a message on that and I will make sure I do that. So thank you guys for listening to this episode and we will see you on the next one. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Medical Sales Certification Podcast. And as you know, we give all of our content and training away for free. So it would really mean a lot to me if you could subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. And if you thought that this episode in particular was helpful, consider sending it to somebody you know who you think could benefit as well. Thanks again, and we will see you on the next episode. Bye.